0: hello welcome to a tour live special edition of the award-winning Tranks we've got to show with me Goodman, being monitored for quality and depth of content i've got kieran molyneux i got robbie o'neill i'm going to deep dive into the end of the week in liverpool jesus wet. we're having some sound problems here but i'm a model professional so i'll keep going despite the fact i've lost hearing in one ear and burst an eardrum but you know what that shouldn't stop Liverpool signing players, should it? Is? No. I can't see the boys at the moment. But I've got on the top of my agenda. This is a bit of a wild one, this, to start the show with. We're going to talk about some likely incomings as we perceive them. But news broke in the last 48 hours, a story that I think get France football put out about Mohamed Salah meeting with the PSG chairman or owner. I can't remember the dude's name. It's not important. But he, allegedly he met with him. Now... Uh, Salah's agent Rami yep. Rami <laughs> the accuracy is important here Rami um, a few hours afterwards came out with no he didn't so the, the rumour was quickly swatted away but it made me think and I think it's worth a chat in Liverpool supporting circles is Salah is coming up I think he'll be 32 by the end of next season if I'm right so the, he's a boy who's not getting any younger it's not that fanciful in a season where Messi's moving on from PSG, where Neymar's supposedly moving on, that they look to make a marquee signing for one of Europe's top players, and they're not shy to buy uh, the older talent. Let's start with you, Keogh. If level, if let's this we're dealing in the world of hypotheticals, not likely, but. Um, someone came and put serious money on the table for us i don't know to to twist out of this summer i mean let's pick a number 120 million would it would it be a number that you think we should consider taking given how near the end of his let's say top level useful life he is
1: when the thing was going on with his contract and the standoff was going on with his contract a big part of me saying it'd be stupid not to sign him and give him what he wants is the fact that if you sign him there be a massive fee on his head in, in a year or two's time, so it made sense to sign the best player the best in the world. Personally, I wouldn't sell him because I don't want to sell our best players. However, whether we would is another issue. I think a big part of giving Sal a new deal and, and giving him them sort of wages is the fact that he probably will recoup some of it before he runs his deal down. I don't think he's going to leave till the end of his contract. I do think there'll be a time where Liverpool sell him whether that's this summer or not, I don't know. But I do think if you start going north of 120, 140 million, then end of Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah. I, you know, some emotionally, Robbie, uh, the, and also in terms of the sheer bandwidth of, of what Liverpool have to do this summer, the idea of selling Salma and replacing him is one of those things you go, I oh, just, just don't want to have to think about it. But I do think... In the event, and it feels fairly unlikely, but it's possible that someone like PSG did put something like 120 million in front of us. I think our board would feel duty bound to strongly consider it and to possibly take it. The question would be, what would Liverpool do about it? They, they, you know, taking the money is one thing; replacing the football is another. I mean, the, the, the obvious replacements don't come readily to mind. It's funny you say that, Rob, because I think when you
2: started, like, when you broached that, like, when you hypothesized about meeting PSG's owner, the first thing that comes to my mind was the timing. And I mm. think when you're selling a player like Salah, you've got to kind of like. we Look, look as, as a football club, in the last 10 years, last 15 years, we've been in situations before where we sold our best players. And I'd argue that on all of the occasions we've sold our best players, We've not been in the best kind of like, in in the best shape structurally. You know, in terms of top to bottom of the club. Whether you look at whether that's Torres, whether that's like even even when we sold you know when we sold Sterling, for instance, we weren't like at, at that point in time. You know, it's not like we were kind of like riding the crest of a wave. Things weren't going great for us as a football club. Um, on the back of the season we just had, and. Also, when you kind of like bear in mind the kind of the structural upheaval that's happened at the football club in the last two years, I just think the timing for any amount of money would be odd because I I don't think there's any it'd be great to say Liverpool have got a big amount of money coming in, but we need to spend a big amount of money anyway. So if we take our best player away. What are we what are we then gonna do? we are just gonna use the money that we kind of re, we recoup from Salah to sign the players that we need? Because I'd argue that even if we sign what we need and we lose Salah, there's nothing to suggest that they just throw the money straight back in. So you could find us in a in a boat where, in a similar boat to which we were in last season. I I just don't know if at present, particularly with like the kind of the uncertainty about the sporting director, etc., whether the club's in the best position to even consider taking that amount of money in because i i'll be honest i just haven't i don't quite trust them to to spend it appropriately to be honest with you
0: yeah i i, I think that's probably the over the overarching view that we'd all have on this one i think if there was a if we'd been linked to a player i don't I, and i just can't think of a name off thought i made a really exciting attacking talent it was about 23 24. we thought he was going to take the world by storm and then in the next breath, it was said the only, he's $100 million, but Liverpool can fund, afford him if they sell Mohamed Salah. Salah Neil. That would be a more interesting way, I think, we could contemplate it as fans. But in this way, I agree with Robbie. The timing feels wrong, it just feels too much to do, and it's not likely to happen. We know that.
3: Yeah, I sort of. I I don't think it's that that likely to happen at all, uh, and I think it's important to to, to frame this along those sort of lines. I I don't see it, um, and I think that the the room is interesting because it feels like someone somewhere might be testing some water, but I just can't really see it. The one thing I would say though is what it doesn't have to be is playing the same way. So when we, for instance, it looked like he was going to move on uh, last summer when the contract wasn't getting boxed off. One of the things that you know I was thinking was well. Yeah, not everyone has their main goal scorer play from the right hand side. <laughs> you know, like when I say not everyone, most teams don't have the main goal scorer play from the right hand side. Most teams have the main goal scorer yeah. be the fella who, who, who goes through the middle of the pitch uh, more often than not. Um, you know, it may well be that Liverpool could look at, for instance, deciding that they want to uh, have that footballer be the, the main goal scorer to could play from the left hand side. Uh, you know, there, there are footballers around there uh, who can do that as well. So I'm not. I th- you know, the idea of, for instance, let's just say something did happen that was out of control. This is back to the idea that, you know, Van Dyke is now not going to be the greatest centre half on the planet by a million miles, which he was. But loads of other teams throughout the whole of football history have won trophies when they've had one of the best centre halves in the world, which is now what Van Dyke is, rather than the idea that you've got to have the very, very best one by a million miles. Liverpool don't only have to play. With the with the main striking threat coming from the right hand side, but I ultimately don't think that that's that's sort of part of this journey, and and I don't think it's part of this summer in part because of the amount that there is to do, but also I just sort of think Mo Salah wants to win with Liverpool. I mean, you know, without being sort of daft about that, he's a fellow who's obsessed with the records, obsessed with all those little bits and pieces, and I don't think you know I, I, he's also now on the money. If you know what I mean, like I'm sure PSG will pay him more in this sort of arrangement, but then. He's not playing in the league that most people watch. For the, the biggest or second biggest club uh, or joint biggest club in that league, you know, which pe- most people watch. And I think that that's, that's as much what he wants as the idea of getting an absolute wedge. You know, if he wanted absolute wedge, I'm sure there's people in Saudi Arabia who box that off for him in absolutely <coughs> no time. But we're not talking about that because we don't feel that's reasonable because we just don't think he'd want to go and do the retirement tour bollocks that's going on there. So I think if you go through all this, I just don't see it at all in the short term. But as I say, if something did happen, it is with you know, for instance, what are we going to do when uh, the African Cup of Nations happen and Mo Salah doesn't play on the right hand side for Liverpool? What we're probably going to do is play Darwin Nunez through the middle, Diaz on the right, and 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 someone else on the left, and reshape a little bit of how we attack for a few games, and then reshape it again when Mo comes back because that's the way football works.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not lightly tabling and. I think it could only gain traction in my mind if I saw us link to some, to a big forward. It wouldn't, as you say, it wouldn't have to be a right-sided one. It could be anything. But if you did hypothetically lose him, you probably would look for a big signing. Well, you definitely would look for a big signing in the front three, albeit it wouldn't have to be right-sided. But let's move on to the more probable. Keo, I want to talk about the midfield because that's uh, all we are endlessly going to be talking about all summer, it seems. Uh, Liverpool's, have, Liverpool have obviously already acquired Alexis McAllister. That's one down. Hopefully at least one more, hopefully two more to go. The shortlist that the media seem to be, be, be becoming aware of includes four lads. Oh, my mic's being swapped over for me at the moment. That's exciting. The four lads seem to be the names that are coming th- uh, time and time again at us are Ryan Gravenberg at Bayern Munich, Vega, whose first name, Gabri Vega at Kelta Vigo, Manu Kone at Borussia Gladbach, and Kefren Turam at Nice. What are your thoughts, just as an overview, uh, Keo, on these? Do you expect Liverpool to bring in two from the four? Do you think we, the, there might be some other curveballs out there or do you think we're getting pretty close to knowing who our new recruits will be?
1: I think of them four, if we can get two, we will. But if one of them ends up, or two or three of them end up not coming through, I don't think we'll end up buying for the sake of it. I think that's what we've learned from Jürgen over the years. If that's a shortlist, I think we the target will be two. And I've... Get, I'm digging deep on the transfers I at mean, the I've been on YouTube watching the, the goals with the drum and bass mixes over them and <laughs> uh, uh, and this Kevin Taram is a player, like a player. He's he played exactly what we need. So out of all of them, there that's the one I want. And Kone seems to be highly rated as well. And that I think that'd be the, the second choice. But that Taram is the one. I mean, from what I've seen from eight-minute compilations, various eight-minute compilations on YouTube. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not big on the French league, but he looks awesome.
0: Um After him, who would be your next choice then? Let me just put you on. Probably. Kone. Okay. All right, Robbie. It's going to be a similar story. But first off, Robbie, we live in an age, I think, where I think it's getting harder for for us to say to ourselves, oh, Liverpool pull one out of a hat from left field and suddenly they'll sign someone. It'll be a name we never even considered. I feel with the agent chat we're seeing around football circles in Europe at the moment that you don't get as many surprises as you used to. That the fact that these four names have come to the fore so so readily again and again and again, it feels that this must be the shortlist, mustn't it? More or less. Give or take maybe one wild card.
2: Yeah, I, I, f- I find the Gravenberg's one interesting because I think of all mm. of them, he's the one who we've been linked with for the longest time. And I think it, I found it quite interesting that there's been no real movement in that one in particular. I feel like of all of them, the the talk around him, we started there in about saying what. Not long after the World Cup, so the, the fact that they haven't moved on him, yeah, I found that quite interesting because I thought with the previous talk that might happen quickly if it was going to. Um, so I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about that one. at present. I'd I'd be happy if if he was someone who who came in. Um, but I, I think in the in the wider scheme of it, though, i like you say I I just. I think it feels to me as though there's been a lot of flux in terms of how Liverpool have done the business in the last couple of years, and I I don't know. I feel like at the minute the club is really trying to find what its approach is in general in terms of transfers. I think I think the days of I I take a lot of like um, people's points when they talk about Liverpool being smart in the transfer market, but. I think our, our business in the last three years, I, I don't think you can necessarily say it, it has been as smart as it has been historically. Um, so I don't don't know if, I don't know if I'd trust them at present to pull rabbits out the hat. I think the names we're getting are, are the names. And like, like he also says, I think if it's going to be any of them, it'll it'll be one or maybe two of them. Um, the Gravenberg stuff though, I do think that would have been, that. I just feel like that name's been rumbling on for much too long. Um, but, um, I know this with, with the tour stuff, is he still away with, with France under 21s? He's yeah.
0: just gone away with them, yeah, I think.
2: Yeah, so it's one of them now. I think it'll probably just be a matter of, of waiting and, you know, hopefully, like before pre season, because that's another thing with Klopp, as we know, he'll want any players that come in to be bedded in quite quickly. So pre season is going to be the, the the target for the most of them. Um, so when I think what well, that that leaves three weeks, doesn't it, before they come back. So if you'd imagine in the next three weeks, it'll just be kind of like some of those names are just going to start to kind of like pick up a bit of speed. But I'd be interested to see if anyone else does come there have been, amongst that.
0: Sorry, Robbie, just cut slightly across you and put this to, to Neil. Um, There have been a, a small development in the Ryan Gravenberg thing. It has gone quiet, as Robbie said, but he was asked whilst away on international duty this week about specifically about the Liverpool rumors and he said I've read them too he just went I just want to play more preferably at Bayern and otherwise at a club where I play 100% that's where my preference lies 90 minutes reported that Liverpool had been interested in a loan deal for Gravenberch but Bayern had, had said to them that it was it was a sale or nothing else I, it's, it's it's hard to read I I felt for a while that this is one of the more nailed on ones but although it's gone quieter and other names have come to the fore you know, when we did these shows about a month ago, I think I, I, I said it's going to be McAllister, Mount and Gravenberg. Well, Mount's gone. McAllister came through. Do you, is your money on Gravenberg still happening?
3: My mon- No, my money's never been entirely on Gravenberg, happening. Okay, um, I'm, I think there's a couple of variables as well, which includes their manager. Their manager situation's changed, and what he is and what he wants is a little bit different, quite conceivably. So that's sort of changed things as well. On your, you know, the list boiled down to these, and there's nothing really from left field anymore. Well, I mean, Gabri Vega himself has felt like he's come a bit from left field, uh, in that we weren't talking about him a month ago. Um, and he now, has
0: been bubbling, you know. It's just Newcastle were getting more and more noise. Now it's us.
3: I, I'm quite, I'm of the view that it wouldn't surprise me if there's a surprise, if you sort of know what I mean. I think I think they'll do Ram and I think that the. The 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 thing that the Euros tournament does for everyone, and this isn't necessarily a good thing for Liverpool, I hasten to add, but basically, let's say the the manager's plan is to give them all a week after the end of that tournament. I think that in that context, a week off after the end of that tournament, what that means is he can't get they can't get back for for the preseason training they're going to do until whenever they get knocked out of that tournament plus seven days. So I think that what that means is that there's going to be a lot of posturing around time uh, in there, where because there's no point. You know, if Liverpool if Liverpool have got an agreement with Turam, they can't get him there on the 8th of July or the 12th of July because he's playing in this tournament and he's going to need a holiday after this tournament. So that's what Liverpool are going to want, not just for him, but for Jones, for Elliott and so on. And that's frustrating, I think, from a Liverpool perspective, because I think that that would, you know, you'd be able to put a bit more pressure on. Uh, but that's what's, you know, I, I think that that makes it a little bit tough. And I think that with a lot of these players, I think Vegas is a great example of one where Liverpool's attitude might be we'll see if anything else comes that we like the look of, but we know what he costs. And we know when he can join pre-season training. Because they know what he costs because he's got a release clause. And they know when he can join pre-season training because it's when he gets knocked off this tournament plus seven days. So if we can action this at any time, if we've got an agreement with the player and we know what we've just got to put on the table for Celta Vigo to go sound, then Liverpool control the time frame of that one and they can choose. So in the meantime, they're going to be thinking to themselves, well, you never know, man, United might fall out with Mason Mount. They might be looking at, you know, Chelsea might do something else a bit mad. Someone else might just pop onto the market that we didn't think was available. The, the financial crisis that's bubbling around Italy, you never know. Valverde gets linked this week from Real Madrid. Real might need some cash. Can we get, you know, can we now go to them and say how much for him? And they might say, well, actually it's 80 million. And we might go, well, no, we can't do that. The Mbappé but fella
0: could change the landscape.
3: Loads of things could change mm. the landscape. And I, But I think Liverpool with, I think he's a really interesting Vega, because he can't come and join. You can't just come and sign for it. Well, he can't be at pre-season training on July the 8th. But we know how much he costs. And if we've done our work, we know how much we're paying him. I mean, our longest contract is. We can get all that written down. And all we've got to do is choose the moment where we action that. And in the meantime, he might just be in a bit of limbo.
0: Okay, do we go for the inserts, Neil? Should we go for the inserts? Let's go for the, I fancy an insert. Your fancy one.
3: Uh, excellent stuff indeed. Uh, the inserts then, uh, let me find out precisely what they are. You caught me slightly on the hop. First and foremost, it's John Rush from Northern Lights on the upcoming Ray Kennedy Parkinson's Football Tournament on the 24th and 25th of June. He's talking to John Gibbons. And Rob May uh, from Laces Out uh, talking to Josh Sexton. Uh, so they are the inserts and they will be coming in now.
4: And it is John Gibbons for Tour Live. And I'm joined now over Zoom uh, by John Roche, who is organising, well, helping organise uh, a big football tournament uh, coming up at the end of the June. Uh, it is for Ray Kennedy's Parkinson's football tournament. And yeah, I'm here to talk more about it, is John. So first of all, John, thank you so much for coming on the Anfield. I really appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for giving us the air
5: time to promote this on behalf of Parkinson's
4: and players everywhere. So tell us a, a little bit more about the tournament then, John, if you don't mind. Uh, the tournament this year is slightly different than it has been in the past. It
5: originated in Copenhagen wow. through a group of physiotherapists called um, called Fit for Cure, um, and we're striving every every day for a cure for Parkinson's. And we're told we always told it's five years away. So these guys got together and put together, put a football competition together, uh, a, a reduced size football competition. In Copenhagen annually, which was worn for the previous 10 years by a team from Denmark called Steve Aben, which translates as stiff legs, which anybody but Parkinson will know is a significant part of the condition mm-hmm. and it's a big obstacle to our movement, uh, particularly in sport. So, um, a, guy, a guy from England called Charlie Appleyard uh, is now set up a business, not a business, a charity called Sport Parkinson, took a team over just before the COVID outbreak. And they did very well for the team that were pulled together. They got to the semi-final, I think, before they were knocked out. So then when COVID passed, I was asked, would I be interested? On the back of what we'd done with Northern Lights in Liverpool, which was put together our own walking football team, Mm-hmm. Were we interested in taking the team over to Copenhagen to, to compete? And you, you, I mean, Northern Lights has pulled together from Liverpool and surrounding districts. Uh, a selection of, there's a couple of those used to play non-league, a couple of ex-amateurs, but generally people were suffering from Parkinson's who wanted to get out and prove that they could still live an active life, which is a massive step you know, when your life's spent struggling for movement. So what we've done is that we've invited the Danish, Norwegian and Swedish team over uh for the weekend of 24th, 25th of June. And in a in association with Liverpool County FA, the WFA uh, and Northern Lights have put together this fabulous weekend of football for people with Parkinson's.
4: Yeah, I mean, I didn't realise how international it was. So, so thanks so much for that. You mentioned uh, the dates of the 24th and, uh, and 25th of, of June. If, if people want to support you guys and, and what to do doing and what you guys are doing and, and support the tournaments, support the cause, what, what is the best way that people can do that? Uh, really by
5: coming along on the day and support. On, on the Saturday, for example, we have 10 teams competing in the, the Ray Kennedy Cup. Obviously, Ray Kennedy a fantastic player for Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, who suffered with Parkinson's before he eventually had to retire, uh, and so we're playing on the Saturday the running football game, uh, five Scandinavian teams, five English teams, two groups, semi-finals, and then final, followed by a presentation, and then on the Sunday we have uh, ten teams playing walking football, which is really what we want to promote, because it's got to, for us it's got to be it's got to be safe, it's got to be accessible it's gender friendly it's totally inclusive uh, so come on uh, I'm, I'm amazed that everybody in, in I've spoken to knows somebody with Parkinson's yet so few people actually seem to be getting out and getting active we're growing that number but it's a long walk
4: Yeah I think it is important to say that the work that you're doing sort of week in week out because we're here to talk about the tournament and, and, and promote the tournament but you know these <laughs> Walking football groups that you're talking about, I know, meet weekly. Uh, it's in Bootle, I think it is. And and you know, you're doing that, keeping people active. You know, it's not just the, the the big tournaments, you know, you're doing this, you know, every week and getting people out.
5: That's right. I mean, it started for me. Um a friend of mine put a short video on Twitter um of, of me struggling across the kitchen and getting to the garden and a ball there. I picked the ball up and juggled it as though it was 20 years ago. And through that I met a guy called Paul. Paul Nicholls down in Essex and Stuart Langworthy uh, from the WFA and, and we worked together to get, our, our mission was to get football to everybody in the country, get them out of the house, out of the dark corners and get them playing football. Um, we, th- we then rolled on, we were introduced to Stuart, Stuart Carrington from Liverpool County FA, Keith Johnson, ex-Marine colleague came along, John Smith, people at the Brunswick, Sport Parkinson, people at Kensington House, so many people have come and joined us in our mission, uh, and we're still working on that. There are grants available through the WFA for starting new hubs, which we support. We send guys around the country to to build this network, because Parkinson's is a condition that's very disabled, very difficult, but you can live with it, and you can live actively and well.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, and you guys are approving that every week. Um yeah, do get down to the football tournaments if you can. Uh, like John says, uh, the Ray Kennedy Cup this year, twenty uh, fourth of June on the on the Saturday. Uh, I think th- the games themselves kick off around uh, eleven am. It is at the Liverpool County FA, which is on Drummond Road in Crosby. Uh, all the details are online as well. If you go to sportparkinsons.com, uh, all the details are there for the tournament. And it'd be great to have these, you know, teams from all over Europe get a, get a really nice welcome uh, on the weekend, get a few cheers, and you know, hopefully a home win as well, John. Hopefully, yeah, but uh, ultimately the winner will be people with Parkinson's, John. Absolutely, absolutely, and fantastic uh, thing to to be promoting. So thanks so much for coming on, John, I really appreciate
6: your time and best of luck with the tournament and so best of luck with the group moving forward. Thank you and thanks, thanks, for, thanks for your time. And it's Josh Sexton for Tour Live. I'm delighted to be joined by Rob from Laces Out Festival, which is coming up this weekend. Rob, first and foremost, for anybody who's listening who may not have heard of Laces Out Festival before, anything you can tell us uh, to give us a bit more insight? Yeah,
7: Laces Out is a a trainer festival. So it's basically a a reselling marketplace for, for people who collect, people who are into trainers, people who sell, people who buy. And yeah, just basically like a, a celebration of uh, trainer, trainer culture, or sneaker community.
6: And and how did you get involved with with this? Like as, as a project, I'm guessing you were a passionate sort of I don't know they call sneakerheads, but maybe a trainer head in 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 the past.
7: Yeah, of course, that's that's where it started with me. Um, that's why I started the event. And um, yeah, I, I, I started it originally just to give myself a project to do that was based around trainers, because that's what I'm into. I'm into trainees. At the time, I was like a, a sort of struggling designer in the city. Wasn't much opportunity out there for, for someone like me who wanted to get into like working with brands like Adidas, Nike, stuff like that. So I started the event to give myself a project that would just get me into that.
6: Uh, and what were you doing to do with trainers before that? Was it just sort of a, a passion or was there anything in terms of like the line of work which, which which made it sort of natural to come into this?
7: I was actually working on a magazine um, called Open Magazine in the city with a few of my friends. Um, my role in that was t- just to design the magazine, basically, but I introduced a, s- a section in there called Soul Selection which was just highlighting up-and-coming up up trainer releases. That was my little role in the mag. And then it just sort of stemmed from that, really. I just thought, you know what? We, we just moved to the Baltic Triangle. Camp and Fairness was new at the time. And we'd go for a bevy there on a Friday after work. And, and I'd be in there, be looking around thinking, do you know what? We could do like a sick event in here um, based based on trainers. Because like, I, I was aware on, on social media at the time, there was a lot of resellers like pop, popping up here, there, and everywhere. I was always keeping my eye on on trainers online, so I just seen that there was a market for it, I seen there was a couple of events that were happening around the world, like, like Lisa's Out, sneaker events and I thought you know what we could do with one in Liverpool, so let's do it.
6: And how much of a success that's been, has that been for, for you guys, because I know that trainer culture in, in, in Liverpool or trainee culture I probably should say is, is, is yeah. you know such a massive thing.
7: Yeah, it's huge, it's always been a big thing in this city. And I don't know whether you know the backstory on, on like how it all came about in the UK, but Liverpool was like a pivotal city in the whole history of like casual sports shoes being worn for fashion rather than for sport. So, you know, I was aware of the history as I was like getting into getting into all of this. I've always been into them. I haven't actually understood why, you know what I mean? I haven't really thought about it that much. I've just always been into them. Um so yeah, that that's where that's where it's come from.
6: Uh, and I'm guessing it's pulling in sort of big crowds down down the years. Then given the love there is for 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 trainees in Liverpool.
7: Yeah, yeah, we get like around two thousand people turning up every time we do the event. Amazing. So it's it's you know from from the first event where we got like three hundred people, it it has really kicked on since then, and the numbers just keep growing, and that's why we've we've now made the move to the exhibition centre on the dock. Normally we we do it in camp and furnace, but you know as we're growing, as more more people are wanting to come and more people are wanting to trade, we thought now's the time to make the move to the to the bigger space. We're also coming up to ten years, ten year anniversary next year, so it just feels like the right time.
6: Amazing. Well, yeah, I think if there's anyone who's seen the difference between the camp and furnace and the exhibition center, that's that's a, that's a, That's a massive difference. So, a yeah, so fair it's- play it is.
7: Yeah, in, in terms of size, it is. It's, it's a huge difference. Like we we love fairness It's been it's been you know a good home for us f- from day one. Uh, that sort of sparked the idea in my mind to do it. Just that, how, how the, the the space was and how cool it was at the time. But yeah, for our growth, I think the exhibition centre is probably uh, a nice a nice move
6: for us. And you must be excited for for the weekend now. It's coming so close. Are there any any surprises in store for anybody who's, who's looking to attend?
7: Yeah, there's, there's always surprises there, do you know what <laughs> I mean? There's always some rare, like, trainers there that if you're into this, you know, if you're into tra- traps, then you're going to find some some rare bits there. You're going to find stuff that, you know, is is sought after, stuff that people want it, it is what we tend to see at least as out. It's not like going to JD or going to size. It's like stuff that people keep hold of, the rarer ones that they... They they, they want to keep hold of it a bit and maybe sell on in the future. That's what you'll find at Laces Out. But we've got other other stuff going on around it as well. It's not just about like reselling. It's about the whole sort of community coming together. And like we've got a famous photographer coming down called Lawrence Watson, who was a, who is a photographer who who, who captured a lot of iconic images in the eighties of hip hop artists in New York. So Adidas of of are letting us, um, he's the Adidas are bringing him up to do a panel talk about like the 80s in New York, and there's a lot of crossover there because it all started in the 80s in Liverpool. And it's for, for us, for this city, it started through football fans in New York, it started through hip hop and, and music and what you know, run the MC, people like that. So, this guy shot a lot of the most iconic images that you will see of the early sort of uh, emergence of casual culture you know what I mean like you're wearing sports sports shoes casual, uh, in casual fashion so yeah there's a few surprises like that but it should be a good day
6: and and then for anybody who is looking to attend uh, give, give us the, the, the full sort of details the full rundown of, of the day and what it looks like
7: yeah so if you're looking to attend you can you can buy tickets now online at uh, uk. if you want to just turn up on the day you can also pay in um, at on the desk, it's at the Exhibition Centre, King's Dock, and it runs from 12 till
6: 4.30. Amazing. Well, uh, best of luck with it. I'm sure it'll be another resounding success and nice one for you coming on the Amphir app as well.
7: Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it.
0: We're back, Rob. Oh, we're back. That was brilliant. All stuff, that time there. passed. That was brilliant. Love loved listening to you there. Um, okay. Okay, okay. Let's talk a bit about Liverpool's defen- need for defensive reinforcement lads. The one that has, the name that's come to the fore in the last week or so has been Benjamin Pavard from Bayern Munich, French international. What is he, 25, 20, 26 Pavard? Very experienced player, despite not being that old. Amazingly, because he won't sign his new contract to Bayern, he might be available at 25, 30 million. You and I, Neil, were talking in the pub last night about, well, my I was espousing my theory under the influence of a couple of points about, you don't, you're not seeing Liverpool link too many fullbacks. And there are specific, you could argue there are reasons for that. Do you think that, mindful of, of how uh, things are progressing at C- City, who are, I'm afraid, they are still the example to all of us if they keep winning all the trophies. He might, mindful of that, he might want to, uh, what's the word, fill our squad out with centre-backs. Lads who, pr- pr- well, who can do a, a job at fullback if needed, like Pavard can. Like City use Nathan Ake, who can do a job at fullback. But the more centre-backs, the better. If he ended up playing a game with four centre-backs laid across and one of them steps into midfield, covers for Trent, that kind of approach. John Why is he sta- covering for Trent? Sorry? Why is he covering for Trent? Well, because Where's I think... Trent playing? Well, no, if Trent's injured or rested. Ah, right. So if Trent's injured or rested, I could see, if you had a, a Pavard in the squad, you could have him step into midfield, arguably, and then cover yeah, it but, right uh, back. The
3: Pavard thing, though, is that he is sort of viewed as more of a fullback than he is a centre-back. It's more whether or not we want someone who plays on the right who can alternate. with. And not last season, he's ultimate. not. Well, he, he did a fair bit right back. Yeah, I
0: know, but center back is preferred. In fact, one of the reasons he wants out of Bayern is he's not getting enough centre-back minutes. Supposedly. Oh, right, okay. Well, yeah.
3: then, then that's interesting. I think... I think he might. If he moves to Liverpool, he might be in for the shock of a, light, shock of a yeah. lifetime where he plays. Uh, there is, there is. I think I think there's something in what you're saying, and I think it's perfectly reasonable if you get a good footballer, for instance, to think that you don't want Shemakas anymore, uh, and you want to have a different sort of option on the left hand side as someone who can sit a little closer. I think with Gomez, you've got someone who's a little bit on the right hand side who's got a couple of these qualities, but they might well want another one.
0: Um, Can't step into midfield quite that way. And I wonder if that's a factor.
3: That could be a factor. But then I think you're almost describing a footballer who, for, and, and it could be that Pavard is that player. I quite like the look of him. I've liked him whenever I've seen him play. But you're actually describing there a footballer who can play centre-half and right-back and centre-mid. I am. Uh, and, that's know, where we are. Uh, he, he sounds phenomenal. Uh,
0: <laughs> and, uh, mm.
3: you know, effectively all footballers are becoming Emlyn Hughes, uh, one for the teenagers. Mm. There is... Good call. There is that sort of... I think there's that sort of journey a little bit. I think I think Liverpool do need to have a little bit more flexibility game to game and in games. And I think that McAllister's a sign of that. I think Teran potentially could be a sign of that. And I think there's a couple of others. And I'm fine with it. I think the key, the key thing, though, for us is to firstly remember we had loads of flexibility under Klopp from 2017 to 2020. We just don't quite remember it that way. And the other thing is to remember that flexibility might not always be the order of the day. Um, you know, what may well football them and it's gone in that direction for a brief period but if we're honest about it, Guardiola, for all his his, his brilliance and, and as much as it might annoy us, we do have to acknowledge he has brilliance. He sort of stumbles onto the thing where he's playing four centre halves. Yeah. So he doesn't start the season going four centre halves this season. That's the order of the day. Yeah. He sort of ends up with it as it goes. And it might be that you end up with something else. Something else is the new thing. That clock might have something else in mind all the way through. But that's why I think the flexibility is important, counterintuitively, because what Liverpool need to be able to do is to react to the best thing that there is for Liverpool to do in any given moment and have Footballers who feel like they've got very set positions makes that harder to react and be flexible when you need to be.
0: Where do you sit on this, Keo? In terms of just crystal ball gazing as to how we are going to set up next season, because I think it's hugely instructive as to, as to how the the transfer our transfer yes. summer progresses. Are we moving to a, a post fullback era? Really, I suppose that's the same question I put to Neil. Is there is there a sense that we're moving to a post fullback era? The the the, the 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 days of seeing a flyer and even an Andy Robbo or an old version of Trent bombing down the wings, getting outside the winger. Is that is that perhaps a, a phase we're moving past?
1: Well, Towards the end of the last season, we we definitely got to a point where we, we said we need to try something new. And we did start trying new stuff. And it seemed to, although it didn't go exactly where we wanted at the end of the season, we didn't get four. It seemed to put a run of form together. So I do think, the players we look at, I think versatility will be a thing. I think you're right, I'm, and you are you are right, Neil. Asking for a player who can play at right back, centre half, and a midfield competently is a big, big ask. But I do think that if you're looking at players now, it's can they play at right back and centre back competently? Um, but with the list of players that we're linked with, and 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 the, and the, the types of players we're linked with, I, I'm well, I have to ask a question about the homegrown issue that seemed to be a thing three or four months ago about ne- needing to sign english players and that's why we were looking at Bellingham and looking at Mount and, and stuff like that and we've got a, why i want
3: colwell keo yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. another reason why is i think he looks absolutely brilliant but it's that's why i'd
1: like him and when you're talking about names that might just come out of nowhere it might be something like that it might be it might be that type of signing because I mean i don't think it's an issue exactly this year but if next season if players start to leave if we have another milner situation where somebody like that leaves or keller moves on and phillips moves on and we have a summer where we lose two or three english players then we could be in a situation when we're forced to buy homegrown english english talent that we don't want so i think it might be a case now to start looking at that whether that's a at a fullback or a centre half position, I don't, I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think that might be a factor in who we look at and, and how we, and how, and how we look out in the markets.
0: Robbie, do you think? I mean, as I said, all eyes have been on the midfield since we started discussing transfers in the in the approach to the summer. But as time's gone by, everyone's has begun to accept that Liverpool are as, as near as damn it, definitely going to buy a defender as well. But I feel as we, as the as the summer is progressing, it feels. Ever increasingly likely that we might buy two if assuming the budget's there but i think once we stepped away from the bellingham deal suddenly the budget got bigger in a perverse way do you know what i mean we suddenly there's a shitload of 25 to 30 million lads you can afford um it, what the talk initially was oh well we need a right somebody a right-sided player to cover canate because he's injury prone or to allow for the fact that trend may move full-time into midfield that's a possible option now the conversation, I've I've noticed the tone of it in the last couple of weeks has moved towards looking at the left side and going, well, hang on, if we're going to play three at the back, Andy Robbo's not a natural left-sided uh, centre-half. Van Dijk can't be expected to play every week for the rest of his life. So there seems to be strong arguments for buying a left-sided defender and a right-sided defender. And I can't come to the conclusion that that's a case of buying two defenders, more likely than not.
2: Yeah, I think I think centre-half in, 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 like, in a weird way, you you look at you look at Van and you know he's obviously the best of the centre halves we've got, but after that, can I say as, as good as he is isn't reliable? But I think obviously since since he had a his, his, his bad injury, Gomez has never really become the play. He's never really got back to the heights that he was prior to getting injured. And I feel like last t- last season at various times the drop off in matter was was massive, and I mean. I think Matip's only got a year left on his contract, hasn't yeah. he? So he's out of contract last summer. Sorry, next summer. So, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it were, we we did do two centre-arse, Rob, and if an offer came in for Matip in particular they, they tried to move him on. Because, I know they signed him on a free. but at this point in time, I think the there the were moments last season, I know a lot of the conversation was about how bad the midfield was and about how poorly balanced it was at times, but I just... I think I feel like the the way occasions where the centre halves just simply weren't performing and doing like the basic tasks, um, and I think actually none more so than Matip. There, there were a couple of games last season for Matip in particular where, he, as as brilliant as I think he's been, and I think he's been a fantastic player for Liverpool considering like the fact we you know we took him on a free and no one really knew him, and he was like that definition like you said before of like pulling that rabbit out the ass and just kind of getting that player yeah. from nowhere, um, but. Like, like, you know, as we're and out, players get old. Players get old and there has to come a time where players are moved on. And I, I feel like... I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people talk about maybe Gomez's like, time at the club might be running its course. But as Keogh said, the own growing issue is very, very real. And if there's one player I just can't see Liverpool getting a go at any, at any time soon, it's Gomez. Um. So I, I feel like if an offer came in for massive, Liverpool will take it. But then it's like, it's looking around Europe, but again, all of the players at centre-half, with the exception of Colwell, they all seem to be from the continent. Um, there's the Dutch kid that everyone's talking about. Surian Timber.
0: Oh, that, yeah, oh, Mickey Van Der Ven is the oh, left okay, side.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, Van Der Ven I was right. on about, but obviously Timber as well. So, it doesn't really like, it, it doesn't do anything to kind of like massage that problem in any way, shape or form. Um, so... It's one of them that you'll be intrigued to see as the summer progresses where those, where those links are going to come from. Maybe they've actually just said to themselves, though, maybe maybe this window they've actually kind of like staggered the planning of it out and you might just say, let's just get the midfield sorted first. Guardiola's going to go to City by the looks of it for a massive amount of money. Leipzig are going to get a massive injection. They're going to be looking for a centre-half. Who are they going to sign? And they, from there on in, there's going to be there's gonna be movement here there and everywhere. So I just wonder if they're gonna be looking to the back end of the summer before they start looking at centre backs.
3: I think in general, just everyone's wait everyone's looking at each other in the market at the minute. And I'm just sort of waiting for it to waiting for it to break somewhere. I think the Chelsea thing's weird. I thought they'd have had to at least get someone off the door by now and they haven't.
0: Uh, is looking likely, isn't he? Caicedo
3: looks like it might be a thing, but that that's you're sort of waiting for that to give as well. You know, United, I don't think, have bought anyone yet. They keep being linked to Mount, but they can't drive the price down. Um, you know, I I'm sort of Sit, to be fair to City, they only finished playing footy on Saturday, so you know they've got they've got a legitimate excuse. But everyone else, there's an element of I, I sort of thought people would have done a bit more by now, full stop. And I include us in that. i thought we have done, you know, I thought we'd we'd have a second done by the end of this week. Um, I think there's a little element here where I think everyone's, there's just a few variables at the minute. And I think the ticking clock helps at some point, be, not for Chelsea, but I think there's a couple of other sides as well. There's a general sort of implosion around money in Italy. A couple of those sides, you know, need to move. And I'm, I, you know, I thought Newcastle had done something by now. Uh, there's loads of reasons why I thought Newcastle would have done something by now, but they haven't either. And they're just sort of in a world of links. I think it's, I think we've got to allow those variables to play out maybe for another few days. But then I think, you know, time. Time will dictate that some more people have got to do something.
0: I just had, a, I had an idea. You know, we were talking about um, that unicorn of a player who could cover Trent, who could play centre-mid, right back, do a little bit into, into central defence. We've got two in our squad who can do it already. Fabinho, he played right back for Monaco. Centre-mid, he's not bad at all sometimes. Decent centre-half. Even bloody Jordan Henderson can do those three roles. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being a bit glib, but actually there is a case... For Liverpool looking internally and going, you know what? Those two are Those two old stages could do a job in the in a squad sense, and therefore liberate some more funds for more midfielders. And we can't get enough midfielders.
3: You're possibly right, but that then it becomes buying four midfielders and not three. Yes, uh, and then and then you go from there. I, I'd rather they just bought two two centre backs. Let Matop go. Uh, Which all feels a bit callous because he's been brilliant for us. But two centre backs, let Matip go. Sadly, he doesn't get a big parade with a you know at Anfield and all that sort of stuff. It's a bit of a blow. Maybe he can come back for the first game of next season, Uh, and then uh, and then three midfielders, uh, and maybe one of them is either an attacking midfielder or maybe just flirt with the idea of of going and getting another winger. I'm just a traditionalist, Rob.
0: Six. What a, a sixy summer. That's what we want. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this live edition of the award winning gutter. Thank you very much to Keo and Robbie and of course to Neil. And if you want to join us, and if you want and if you subscribe or want to subscribe, we do three of these shows a week during the summer. So hold on to your hat. Three.